0: Well, thank you, Tim, and thank you, Max, and the uh, worship team. It was songs are going to be a bit appropriate for what I'm going to speak about a bit later. So this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at outreach, but um, you ever had one of those moments where you're about to do something and uh, something goes wrong, you know, technology? So uh, yesterday afternoon, I went to, I thought, right, I've got the message ready, and I'm quite happy with it went to print it out, turned the computer on, logged in, turned around, did something else, and the next thing I know it's got a blank screen. So, Michael, I read your T-shirt that you have. Have you turned it off and turned it on again? So I turned it off and turned it on again. Did it two or three times and said, well, God, we need this to work. How about it? And then all of a sudden, bang, up it comes. (gasps) Thank you. All it was it was just updating <laughs> so it was it was a, one of those moments anyway, so quite relieved that uh, we we had it all printed out, so here we go. so once again, thank you for that. Today is a special day for me. Um, it would have been my dad's ninety sixth birthday today, and uh but unfortunately well, he's not, no longer with us, but uh yeah. It was good because on uh, Queen's birthday when we come and visit him, very often on that we'd be able to have the weekend to visit. And it's appropriate too, we come from England and my dad was in the Grenadier Guards. And you know those blokes that wear the funny hats and the red uniforms and they stand there like that? Yeah, well he was one of them. And uh, he actually got to go in the Trooping of the Colour, so that's my 15 seconds of fame, and that's about all I know, but yeah... But this morning, we're not here to talk about the Queen's birthday or the Queen, but we're here to worship and talk about the King of Kings, aren't we? So this morning, as I said, it's, it's on outreach, and we have our little clicker here. Whether it works or not is another thing. I know that Fred had some issues with it a few weeks ago, but see how we go. Oh, made some noises. Yeah, that's a good start. So we've got the first slide up here, and it's all about outreach. So as uh, an eldership, We've decided to be looking at outreach. The last month we had um, the missionary months where we were able to get many missionaries and I thought we had a really good missionary month of hearing from different ones and focusing on the missions that were there. And uh, now it's time to look, they go out and do outreach. How can we as a church and how can we as a people of the church prepare ourselves so that we can go and outreach to our local community and to go on from there? So, as Fred mentioned, next two months, our message, um, messages will all be from the book of Acts. And last week we had, uh, Fred talking on Pentecost. And, uh, did you know this week is actually in some churches they celebrate Trinity Sunday. I get a bit fascinated with, say, the way that some of the other churches go about things. And Trinity Sunday is one where we recognise and, uh, and look at uh, the Trinity of um, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that comes a week after Pentecost. and uh, yes, yeah, So it'll all be from the book of Acts, and we'll see that the young church grows from humble beginnings to become active and alive in the known world at the time. So what we're going to do then is apply what we've learnt from the Bible into our own situation at KBC. So we had Pentecost last week, and this week we're going to look at something else. Our Bible reading this morning comes from Acts chapter one and the first eight verses. Fred did touch on a couple of these before, but here we go. In my former book Theophilus In my former book Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. And amen to that. That's wonderful that he's alive. And he spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while reading with them, he gave them this command. And Fred touched on this last week too. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for my gift, the Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. And for John baptized with water... But in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Then he gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel or to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times nor the seasons or the days the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that's the verse we're going to have a look at um, how we're going to um, tease that out and find out what it has to say to us. As I showed on the slide, we're going to have a look at what, um, how it can learn from our life and how we can reach out to our community by preparing ourselves in the church to be involved in outreach. Our Bible reading comes from the first book of Acts, and we've done that. So we'll have a quick look through the passage. So verse 1. Luke introduces the theme of the book. In the first uh, verses of the Gospel of Luke, we also see a similar opening, and he's writing to a bloke called Theophilus. So I thought, who's this Theophilus bloke? Beginning in verse 1, we see that through the book, Dr Luke gave his friend Theophilus an ongoing account of how the followers of Christ continued to witness and to work of Christ under the power and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Additionally, what does Theophilus mean? So the the name meant, so we don't know who this actual person was, it could have been a mate, it could have been uh, some other people around, but uh, this Theophilus, what actually has, his name means, is the honorary title of a person to whom the Gospel of Luke and Acts, and the Apostles is addressed. Both Luke and Acts are written, uh, as it appears, therein means the friend of God, or loved by God, or loving God in the Greek language correspondingly, why was Luke writing to Theophilus? So if we look in um, Acts 18:26, 26, um, we had Priscilla and Aquila who were talking to Apollos and explained the way of God uh, to him uh, accurately. So Luke writes his first book uh, for Theophilus so that he might know certain truths regarding Jesus and his teachings. And Tim was touching on that too, wasn't it, what he was talking about this morning, teaching about what is certain things about his teachings. Verses two and three shows that Jesus Christ arose rose from the dead and presented himself to his followers. Verse four, once again, Fred touched on last week, the disciples were not to leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit had come upon them. They in in the interim, they spent time in prayer and fellowship. In John fifteen, sixteen, fifteen and sixteen, we see where Jesus tells them about the coming of the Holy Spirit. So if you read John uh, 16, it shows what uh, the Holy Spirit was going to do, who he was and uh, why God, why Jesus was giving the Holy Spirit because he was going away physically and he physically couldn't be here any longer so the Spirit was coming to them. They were still looking for a physical kingdom to come and uh, would overthrow the Roman government. So even at this stage they'd seen many signs and wonders but the disciples were still looking for that physical government who were going to come and overthrow the government so that they could be. But Jesus had something else in mind, and he told them, don't worry about it, God's got got this. Just worry about what I'm telling you now. So, we'll break it up into parts... Uh, Sorry, I missed one, yeah. Uh, Verse 8 will be our focus this morning. We'll break it up into parts and look at it in the context of the times and in the context of how we outreach at KBC. Firstly we'll have a look at the geographical location uh, what the verse alludes to and how this pans out in the book of Acts so we can see there that um, down the bottom there we have Jerusalem then we have Judea and remember the uh, city of Jericho when the uh, children of Israel came across round about there they uh, knocked Jericho down with the walls um, and then Samaria a bit further up, and then Galilee, Capernaum, Thyro-Phoenicia, Decapolis, Perea, and if you keep going further east from there, you get Greece and all Turkey and all the other places. So that's where we're looking at. So when we see where Jerusalem is, and Jerusalem is a spiritual home for the Jewish people, the, uh, the town or city of Jerusalem actually had, had two walls. It was an outer wall and an inner wall, and back in the Old Testament, it was one of the cities that um, they that would actually captured. So that became the spiritual home of the Jewish people. That's where the temple was, and we saw Pentecost where the people came and had to come to celebrate the Feast of Weeks. So Jerusalem is Ju- in Judea, and as' familiar to us in the Old Testament where the, young, where the people came across. Further up is Samaria, which was part of the uh, northern kingdom after the reign of Solomon when God divided the nations. And Samaria is a place of mix of Jewish and other nations, and uh, they didn't get on real well, didn't get on real well at all. Um, And we saw that when Jesus went to talk to the woman at the well, that uh, they have differences, but that was it. They were to go to there to next. And the rest of the world we can see in Acts as... uh, as Peter, Paul, Silas, Barnabas and John, Mark and others went on their missionary journeys and took the word of God with them. We may be looking at some of these journeys a bit later in the series, I don't know. Max is speaking next on it, so I don't know what he's got planned, but yeah. So the next slide shows us when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The disciples, they were changed from being a band of sacred, scared people living in fear with the Romans and, uh, with the Jews and the Romans. The bold people who preached in the streets and later were persecuted for their faith, they were given wisdom and knowledge to witness to the people. So on that day, there was about 3,000 who were added to, added to the people on the day of Pentecost. So when the Holy Spirit comes for the disciples, it was on the day of Pentecost. As we saw last week, it was like wings of wind and like tongues of fire come upon them. It was quite dramatic. Verse 6 of chapter 1 is promised to them by Jesus. It was poignant, it happened then, because they were celebrating the Feast of Weeks. The Feast of Weeks was the start of the wheat harvest, and the Passover is the start of the barley harvest. So every year they could uh, really tell. And in those days, you know where it says um, you reap and then you harvest? In Jerusalem, their reaping and harvesting were actually, uh, and planting were all actually set. Not like here where we try and you know, get a bad year or it might be and might try and plant a bit later or harvest a bit later, depending. But theirs were fairly well said. So the sacrifice that they had was one where they had a bread, but this one had yeast in it. It's the only one in the Feast of Weeks is where they have the yeast within the bread. And that can symbolise here in Matthew 13:33, it said that the kingdom of heaven is like the yeast that a woman put in a loaf of bread. And this could be a reference to the Holy Spirit coming. So back in the Old Testament, God had planned it where they had this one feast of the Feast of Weeks and they had the yeast within it. So yeah. You shall be witnesses. What's the role of a witness? Well, when you get up in court and you do that and say, "You know, I've told the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and you know that every word they're saying is possibly... Not that, but anyway. So, the role of a witness is a witness is someone who, by explanation and demonstration, gives an audible and visible evidence as uh, what he has seen and heard without being deterred by the consequence of his actions. So, you're telling what you saw and you're not really going to worry about what's going to happen to you. So, when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples, they were able to give evidence of what they had seen and what they had heard of Jesus. The Holy Spirit was able to witness to the disciples of the dwelling of Jesus in their lives by pointing to him, therefore they were able to witness to his power and testimonies to the one they spoke to. So by the Holy Spirit witnessing to the disciples for the power that they had in him, they were then able to testimony to the people that they spoke to. Nothing they could do without the Holy Spirit witnessing to them and the Spirit of God in them as well. So, this one is in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. This is part of the verse, it's fairly obvious. The disciples were to take the gospel to all people. The things of disciples as Jews, that was a foreign concept because they thought that they were the people of God. And taking it to everyone was something that God had planned many years ago, but to them it was a foreign concept. And as we saw that with Peter when he went to, uh, to Cornelius' house and he had that vision and that dream that all things and all food was good for God. So he was able to go to the, to the Gentiles at that time. We can see the wisdom where they went first, first to the city and then to their own country, then to Samaria where they may have faced some opposition and would have provided training for the next step. Finally, to the unknown world where opposition and persecution might come or would come. Pentecost was not only the bringing of the Holy Spirit, but the beginning of God's plan to bring the Jews and Gentiles alike into his kingdom of God. This was his time. He planned it from the start, and this was the start of it. It also heralded the start of the last days by the coming of the Holy Spirit. So whenever we talk about the last days in the Scriptures, we look back and we can look at the time of Pentecost as when everything was fulfilled, when the, the promise that, uh, from Joel that the Holy Spirit would come, and this was the time of the starting of the, of the last days, which we are living in now and continue to live in. And there will be some time when God's timing is perfect that we have to be ready for Jesus coming again. And that's one thing that we need to be looking at. Are we really ready for Jesus' return, whenever that may be? He might be free, we mightn't be able to stand here next Easter. We might be able to stand here tomorrow. We don't know in Jesus that we need to be ready. We need to be following him and telling others of him. So we've seen what it means to disciples, so now we'll apply it to our own times. So when we do this, it's important that we have looked at the passage in the context that it is written. And uh, thank you, Tim, for talking about the scriptures because if we look at it in the context as it is written, And then we apply it to our own situation to get the context from the Bible and not by our own bias. So if we look at it, how how there, and then apply what's going to happen to us through that context. So everything seems to be working together this morning. So yeah, for us as a people in the church, we need to be prepared to reach out to the community. We cannot do it in our own strength or or without God's leading in how we are to concentrate on our outreach. We might try to take it to the whole world, but God has a specific plan for our church and we need the Holy Spirit's guidance to fulfil that plan. I'll repeat that. God has a specific plan for our church and we need the Holy Spirit's guidance to fulfil that plan. And it's wonderful verse, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So what does it mean to have the Holy Spirit come on us? When we repent of our sins and ask Jesus to come into our lives, he comes in the form of the Holy Spirit. As we said back in John chapter 16, he is going away and the Holy Spirit comes. Jesus can't physically come into all of our lives, into our souls, into our bodies as a physical being. So it's the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. So on our time when we say, Yes, Jesus, you're mine, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us. When we first come to Jesus, we're still very much living like one who's unsaved, or I know that I was, or by our actions and our thoughts and demeanour. We've got that point where we've come to Jesus, the Holy Spirit's come and dwelt within us, but we're not suddenly a super saint or what it might be. We're a child of God, we're going to heaven. Thank goodness for that. But that's not what God wants us to do. He wants us to grow in him. If we stay as one who is not saved but not growing, we'll still go to heaven. We have the Holy Spirit living in us, but have we yielded our lives to allow the Spirit to have his way? In verse 5 it said, John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised in the Holy Spirit. So what does it mean to be baptised in the Holy Spirit? I know that this can be a contentious view, but what does it mean to be baptised in the Holy Spirit? Because this is what Jesus says here, for John baptised him with water, in a few days you'll be baptised in the Holy Spirit. Firstly, it's not just an experience, it's a lifestyle. So I'll have the next slide. So... I'm going to um, have a look at one of the one of the um, doctrines that some others may have, and uh, I'm not trying to be controversial here. But I think that to explain this, uh, we need to have a look at what some people believe and what some ways that they look at as being baptized in the Holy Spirit. As I said, it's not just an experience; it is a lifestyle. I suggest that the doctrine of being baptised as spirit is an outward sign of people speaking in tongues. It's not giving the full implications of the facts, I believe, and I suggest in that. After this, his message was, after, he, after me comes one more powerful than I, that the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie, I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. That's from Mark 1, 7 and 8. So John tells us here that Jesus would baptise us with the Holy Spirit. So if this is confined to those only who speak in tongues, then everyone else who doesn't speak in tongues is not eligible to be baptised. For me, that's a logical point of view. There are instances in Acts where we saw in the first part of Acts where they went to different ones and they hadn't had John's, they'd only had John's baptism, but they hadn't had Jesus' baptism as well too. And they were speaking in tongues after receiving the Spirit. But that's only there. So if we look at it in the context, that was a part of the Scriptures then when it happened. We don't see it further in Colossians or some of the other books. Furthermore, Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians that speaking in tongues is a gift. And not everyone receives that gift. So on our next slide it says, So Jesus promised that he will baptise the Holy Spirit as not for some but for all. It's not just an experience, it's a lifestyle. To be baptised in the Holy Spirit is a conscious conscious decision on our part to hand all of our lives over and allow the Holy Spirit to take control Um, and that's the same with the church as well too. We need to allow as a church the Holy Spirit to take control of everything. I think Fred mentioned last week about the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we don't have a, uh, have a church or something like that. Or we, yeah, we're without that. So so I was given a book by Bob called Ecclesia, and uh, all of us were given that. I think Tim got it too as a, as a leadership. And he gave a practical example of being baptised in the Spirit. It comes from pickling vegetables. Now That seems like a funny place where I could do it. So from the Greek word bapto, we get the word baptism. is one of two Greek verbs. This may means to be dipped, so that's it, that's bapto. In the pickling process, the vegetable is dipped in boiling water to soften the skin and make it more porous. We can suggest that this process is like when we first become saved, we've accepted God and the Holy Spirit has come to live within us, but we haven't allowed him to take control of our lives as it is. The second word is baptizo, and that's submersion of vinegar solution. We can suggest this is when we come to the point of allowing Jesus to take hold of our lives. This is a more permanent filling of the Spirit. But, there's always a button there. It takes to continually allow Jesus control and a continuous daily confession of sin and repentance. Romans 12.2 We're told to renew our minds. And we can't do this unless we are filled with the Spirit. We have to be filled with the Spirit to do that. We have to allow... The spirit to take control of everything. It's Jesus we say we let Jesus take control, but it's the spirit living within us that does that. By preparing ourselves by being baptised in the Spirit, we align ourselves with Jesus. So when Jesus is working in our lives, that whatever the Spirit does, it aligns. So they work together, and that's Trinity Sunday as it is. You know, there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So there's not three separate, it's three working together to be able to to guide and to lead. And so whatever concerns Jesus, concerns us. We have a burden for the lost. And as a church, all our programs and activities need to be anointed by the Holy Spirit. So we're doing what God wants us to do. So we'll have a quick look at uh, the rest of the verse. And we'll have a look at uh, the next place is Jerusalem. So for us as a church and a people, what is Jerusalem for us? For them it was a place of um, where they were able to have their holy city where the temple was. So this could be our Jerusalem, but also out there in our neighbourhood just here. And these are just suggestions. If we were trying to do all this, we'd never get it done. It's our homes, our neighbourhoods, our workplaces and our schools, our sporting clubs. That's our Jerusalem. That's where we go to be day by day. And that's where we live, isn't it, really? That's sort of our home. As a church, it's our youth group, kids clubs, next gen, play group, the community garden, the coffee cart, Incas, And you could add more to that. Next slide is Judea so physically we put ourselves in there as our shire being active across the communities working with and supporting other churches as one of the bigger churches supporting some of the smaller struggling churches in our denomination we have Barham we have Kahuna also into church activities our baptist pastors be really good once a year they get together they're coming up on the 3rd and 4th of August, I think it is. They're coming here for the, the uh, uh, thing they did last year. We were doing it, and things were going really well, and then bang, Danny gave us a lockdown, so they all went home again. But this year, there's no lockdown, so we're going to have a great time with our, our local pastors. And they come from Bendigo over at Granite. I don't know if they've got a pastor at Granite, but it doesn't matter. And then the, the, for this, the local area where their pastors get together. But wouldn't it be great if we could be able to get some from Echuca and from Bort and for Fred and for the pastors over at Barham or, or Kahuna to get together on a regular basis to support them, and we as a church can support them as well too, regularly get together. Chaplains in our sporting clubs. Wouldn't it be great to get more chaplains in their sporting clubs? Now, is a town where they're really sporting mad. Wouldn't it be great to get a chaplain in their footy club? Wouldn't it, Tim? Or a chaplain in their bowls club? yeah. Come on, we'll we'll pray along with Tim. Let's get behind him so we can see more chaplains. Support the chaplains in our schools. I know we don't have a chaplain here at the moment, but we've got uh, Phil over there in Cahern, haven't we? How are we going to support him more? The church that my daughter goes to down in Melbourne, a bloke called Owen Prout. Ever heard of Don Prout? I think Owen's his son. (laughs) And he goes to a church down there in in, uh, Follow Baptist down at... uh, in the southeastern suburbs of Melbourne, and they've just started doing, he works with uh, Youth Dimensions, and they've just started doing a lunchtime program in Cooray Rup School and Officer School, and they're trying to to grow that. Wouldn't it be great if we could get a lunchtime program going in the high school? Even a lunchtime program going in that Christian school as well too, or some of the primary schools. These are some of the things we might be able to do. Can we pray? Can we pray that God might be able to lead us to do these things? once again we have the Samaria. So the disciples went to Samaria and they faced some opposition. Geographically, we can outreach in our own area. To those who may not be people, we come in contact regularly. The homeless, the people and families are affected by drugs. Those who may have a different sexuality, Tim touched on that this morning, but, you know, how would we go? If someone walked in here, a bloke walked in here with a dress on and said, my name's what it might be, how would we react as a church? How do we love these people? It's a challenge, isn't it? They too may have the difference, same colour layman, but it's, it's a family thing, as Tim, Tim mentioned. And on racism, um, a bloke called vody Borkman, if you see on YouTube, He'll give you the reason why there's racism when it comes to it. So it's actually a Marxist, um, Marxist um, ideology that they're bringing through racism. So something you can look up as well too. So the rest of the world. And that's it. And as a church, we do well. We support it and continue to support. Can I have the next slide, please? Jerry? Yeah. Thanks, mate. Beautiful. As a church, we'll do well to support it and continue to support our missionaries well. And spend a good deal of our budget on this. When I first came to the church here eight years ago, one of the things I was really impressed on was our missionary support. I come from a little church in Melbourne that um, is very missionary minded. We used to have a prayer meeting with missions, and and that we had about forty missionaries that we used to support in a very small way, but we're very missionary minded. And for the way that this church really deals with its missionaries. It shows the hallmarks not only of a caring church and a caring congregations. Uh, Some of our missionaries have gone to far-flung places and uh, others are at home like Ed and Liz and uh, the others that have gone up there. But there is a need that we need to be aware of and uh, some of the Beehive ladies may be here this morning. Thank you. Thank you, ladies from Beehive, for what you've done. These are second-generation Beehive ladies. There was a generation prior to them that prayed for, that knitted for, that sewed up for, and they used to give certain amounts of money every year. But unfortunately, father time has caught up with them. And uh, thank you, ladies. But with age catching up, we do thank them for that. Now we need some younger people to step up and take over and bring a fresh idea of how we go about it. So is that you? Is it Is that me? Male or female, please pray if this is where God's going to lay it on your hearts to be, how we can support our missions in this practical way. Have a talk to some of the old beehive ladies now. Sorry, have a talk to some of the beehive, not the old beehive, That, that wasn't very nice, was it? Have a talk to some of the beehive ladies and see where they come from and they might give you ideas. And as it says, the harvest is great but the work is a few. It is up to individuals and together as a group to go and make disciples so that we have more people to come into our church and make more disciples so we can expand their outreach. That's what it was in the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all people baptising in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. So a disciple, your disciple, your disciple, your disciple, your disciple, your disciple, I'm a disciple. That's not an elite group who used to wander around with the and and be all unctuous and all that sort of thing. But a disciple is anyone who has given their lives to Jesus Christ. So we are all disciples. And as all disciples, it's our job to make more disciples so that we may be able to have more people. And if we get more people in the church, we'll be able to outreach more. So that's what the Holy Spirit leads us and does that. And all this is possible if we allow God through the Holy Spirit to have his way. We cannot do anything without prayer. We need to be praying constantly. And prayer is such a powerful thing. We have our once a month prayer meeting. Uh, we get together as a, a small group. We get together on a Tuesday morning and pray for the people within the, within the church. We need to be praying more in our small groups in whatever we're doing, come together corporately for prayer so that we can really seek God's face in where we're going. When I came to Christ in 1976, I'd been working on a Sunday. Um, I was a long way from God. I was doing things which we're not proud of now, but I didn't know that the little church I'd been involved in and my sister went to and all the others. On a Tuesday night at the prayer meeting, praying that I'd be able to get to church on a Sunday. So part of my job was working on a Sunday. And um, one Friday afternoon, the boss looked at me and said, well, sorry, mate, we can't afford to keep you anymore. Well, I was out of a job. But that was in September, but uh, my sister and the ones at the church were jumping for joy and saying, yes, yes, yes. And then a little bit longer in October, I'd been sort of hanging around the church, but not really making any difference. Then we were having what we called um, Hour of Discovery, which was our our fortnightly Bible study. We had youth group one week where we did fun, and next week was was doing Hour of Discovery in the Bible study. And one of our young ladies there had caught a a disease, I don't know, it was psittacosis or something like it, and she was uh, gravely ill in hospital, and she was about, uh, possibly may have died. She didn't die, thankfully, But... God said, you know, what about you? What about if, you, if you're going to die now? But it was through the power of prayer that these people were praying for me that I come to there. Anyway, this young lady came better and uh, she came good and um, actually she uh, went forward one of the times at Belgrave Heights and doing missionary service uh, and she ended up working for a, uh, an organisation called Church Nursing Service which one of our lovely ladies down the back used to work for and uh, this lady actually went on for God over that but it was through prayer that I came back. So we must continue to pray for our young people and older people. So in conclusion, we'll be praying together. So if you just like to stand. So this morning, if you want to renew your relationship with God by committing yourselves afresh to allow the Holy Spirit complete control of your lives, or if you want to give Jesus complete control in the first time, you can do that. We'll just pray. Loving Father, we thank you. Loving Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit He can come into our lives and live with us. Father, we give ourselves afresh to you, and Father, for anyone here this morning that um, gives themselves afresh to you and allows your spirit to take full control. Father, we just ask that you will take full control of our lives so that we may be your witnesses here, that we may see your kingdom come within this place. As a church, Father, as a leadership, We give ourselves and we just ask that you'll take full control of our lives as well. In Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen.